Can everybody put their phones on airplane mode? And after you get your phone on airplane mode, you can turn to Luke 839. <clears throat> so Luke 839 says, return home and tell all the great things God has done for you. So the man went away proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. So with that, the title of my message is, There's Power in Your Testimony. All right, so everyone has a story, um, and everyone has had the opportunity to need God and has been able to see how he moves in their life. So I'm not going to tell all of my story, but... Um, I'm going to tell the bulk of my story that's pretty much made me who I am. So I got saved when I was about 19, my freshman year of college. I was at Norfolk State in Norfolk, Virginia. And I knew I wanted to live for God, but I wasn't fully aware of the commitment that came along with living for God. So let's fast forward. That was in 02. So let's fast forward to 06. I had graduated from undergrad at Winston-Salem State University. Um, and so I was a graduate. Um, I was on my own, and I was preparing to um, start a new job. Um, I had been interning at a child development center. So I graduated in December, and that January, I started working at that job. So my teammate from that job, she had invited me to um, her housewarming. So I was all excited, and I went to her housewarming, and there was this guy there at her housewarming, and um, before you knew it, we were spending every weekend together. So, <laughs> so, um, we were spending every weekend together. We were smoking, we were drinking, you name it, we were doing it. So um, his birthday weekend comes and we go away. We go on a beach trip and um, same stuff. Same stuff we had been doing for these weekends that we were getting together, we were doing it at the beach too. So um, fast forward about three weeks. Beach trip is over. I'm taking these trips to Charlotte. I'm not even telling my parents I'm coming home. I'm just coming to Charlotte. They call me. I'm like down the street from them. They have no idea. And um, so I'm making these beach. I mean, I'm making these trips to Charlotte, or um, he's making these trips um, to Winston Salem because at this time I was living in Winston Salem. So three weeks after that beach trip. I start feeling nauseous and sick, and I'm getting these back pains, and I'm like, what's wrong with me? So, you know, I was just trying to tell myself, okay, it's nothing. Like, I'm brushing it off. But I knew what it was. So I'll never forget this day, October 19, 2008. I take a pregnancy test, and I'm like, I don't want this to be my reality, but I'm going to take this test. So I take the test, and it's positive. So I called the father, and he's silent, like he's not saying anything. 
So I'm in my second semester of grad school at A&T at this point, and I'm like, whoa, I'm pregnant. What's going to happen? So I'm freaking out. But it was almost like I couldn't, I couldn't accept the reality. Like, I saw the test. I knew it was positive. I knew, but it was like, no, I'm in grad school. So I call the father, and I'm telling him, like, this is what happened. And he's just silent. He doesn't say much. So, um, you know, I just kind of slept it off. I, I think I was still in denial because I, I slept it off. And then the next day, he calls me, and he's pretty much like, well, I mean, you know what we need to do, right? So I'm like, what? So... I knew what he meant. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, hmm, no. So I called my dad. We were like this. So I called my dad. And mind you, I'm 24, so I shouldn't have been scared. But I was scared out of my mind. I'm like, Daddy. And he hears me crying. So he's like, what's wrong, baby girl? So I tell him. And he's rushing me off the phone. So I'm like, why are you rushing me off the phone? Y'all, before I could put the phone down good, my mom is calling me. And I'm looking at the phone like, oh, man, so he told her. So again, I'm 24, so I shouldn't be scared to answer my mom, but I'm scared out of my mind. So I answer the phone, and she got this real stern voice. And I don't know if he had told her or not, but, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, she, she calls me, and I'm like, Mom. And she's like, what do you have to tell me? And so I tell her, and I didn't like her response. So I got really defensive, and I just pushed her away because I didn't like her response. So in my mind, it's like, you know what? I don't need her. I don't need to talk to her about this. I'll do this on my own. So I started preparing to pretty much be a mom on my own. I was living, um, I was still living in Winston-Salem, but a couple months into my pregnancy, I ended up moving to High Point because I needed a bigger apartment. So I um, moved to a bigger apartment and um, I just pretty much started doing things on my own. So, you know, in my mind, I was gonna have to do this on my own. So. It's like, okay, this is what got you here. You feel by yourself, so there's nobody that can that you can turn to but God. So, I mean, my prayer life at that point was out of this world. It wasn't nobody but me and him. So I'm like, okay, we're going to pray. I'm going to be in my work. I don't have a choice. So I get into my third semester of grad school, and it's time to have the baby. So um, I have her. My mom is there. My dad is there. My friends, my family, but no dad. It's just me and my family. But I'm still in high point. So I'm like, you know, I'm still by myself in my mind. So um, when she was about four months old, I remember going to my mom. Well, nope, let me back up. Let me back up. So I have her, and, um, you know, that's my first child. I'm my mom's only child. So she 
packs us up, brings us to Charlotte for about four weeks. So I can remember um, we had been at her house for about two weeks, and I'm changing the baby's diaper, and I get a phone call. I'm still teaching at Winston-Salem State so you know my plan is get there go back in August after I get off my maternity leave so I get a phone call when I'm changing her she's about two weeks old and it's my boss so my boss says hey you plan to come back in August right and I'm like yeah and you know I'm thinking she's just calling to um, you know try to figure out how the baby's doing how things are going with the birth that kind of thing so we're talking and she says we're closing August 31st. So here I am with a two-week-old baby, an apartment, a car payment, and my job was paying for grad school, and I'm in grad school. So of course I run down the hall, mommy, this is what she just told me. And I remember my mom, she just put her hand on my leg and she was like, you're gonna be okay. And that sounds so comforting when y'all listen to it, but I was actually mad at her for saying that. I'm like, how is that all she going to tell me? Like, somebody just told me I lost my job, and she going to tell me you'll be okay? So I'm like, so at that point, I started, I started keeping tabs on her. I started taking tabs. Like, I didn't like when you said that. I didn't like when you did that. And I started, I started holding it against her. So every time she would call me, I would hold against her what she said when I told her I was pregnant, what she did when I did certain things, and her tab was building. So Kenzie's five months old, we moved back to Charlotte. So we moved back to Charlotte. I get an apartment. Remember, I don't have a job, but I get an apartment. Um, I'm still going to grad school, but I am commuting to Greensboro two to three times a week to finish school. So I would get back to Charlotte at about 10, 10.30. I would have to go pick her up from the sitter, bring her back to our apartment, study, do papers, all that. And by this time, she's just a couple months old. So this went on until 2011. So in 2011, um, I got a job in my field because I had been out of work since I got laid off. Um, so I got a job in my field, but I hadn't gotten my master's yet. So it was a bachelor's level job. So um, I hadn't started the job yet. I had been told that I got the job, but I hadn't started it yet. So it's April 2011, and I'm still in the apartment. I haven't graduated yet. And I have a cousin that's a real estate agent. So I call him. And I'm like, I don't want to rent anymore. I want a house. And he's laughing because I don't have no job. So he's like, why is she calling me about a house and she don't even have a job? But by this time, again, me and God are besties. So I'm like, I'm going to get a house. So again, he's like, what? Like, okay. So he, he plays along with it. And I'm like, this is what I want. And I'm going to get it. I have a job coming at this time. I want to get a house, and he's a pastor too, so I'm, I know he's like, you know, I love your faith, but <laughs> you need a job before you get a house. So um, 
July of 2011 comes and I get the master's degree. I didn't even walk. I just wanted the paper so I could be able to get the job. I didn't want to go to the graduation. Um, I just wanted to be able to say I had a master's. So I got my master's degree. Um, and so I was able to start the job. So I get my first check and I go to my cousin. I'm like, okay, I got a job. And I wasn't even making that much. Um, I think I was making like 35000 and long story short, August of 2011, I become a homeowner. So I'm like, whoa. So I become a homeowner. And then um, later that year, I even got another car. So I'm just like, okay. So again, we're, we're besties. Like, we're making it work. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is good. So I've got the house. I've got the car. I've got this smart, beautiful baby, but I'm empty. I'm still making these horrible decisions. I'm lacking wisdom. And everything my mom says to me, I'm just like, leave me alone. I'm just pushing her away. And I'm just, I mean, saying horrible stuff to her. Like she would walk in my house and I would just look at her like, why are you even here? Or I would walk in her house and I would be mad about something she did three years ago. And I, I was just holding it against her. And she would say, she would, she would touch me and say, I'm so proud of you. And I would just look at her and I'd be like, mm, okay. And she would say stuff like, why are you so mad at me? And I, I was just, I mean, I, my words became venom. Like I was just sparring stuff at her, like just, whatever I was just sparring it off at her so um I'm I'm doing well to people but to me it's like I'm I'm sinking I'm I'm not doing good so I, I kind of went into a point where I was just like in a pity party and I was just like, you know, I've got this stuff and I've obtained this stuff, but I still feel empty. So instead of me seeking God and knowing that he had pulled me through all of that stuff that led to that point, I pushed God away, which pushed my mom further away. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit. So I did that for years. I did that for a few years. And then at the end of last year, I was working as a school-based therapist at First Ward Elementary. And, <laughs> and this guy kept coming up to my office. And I'm like, why does this young guy keep knocking on my door asking me these crazy questions? And I'm just like, and he's young, like, ugh. And so um, I'm like, okay. So I knew it was something when we had gone on Thanksgiving break and we came back and I went down to his office. And I'm like, okay, I don't like him, but I'm gonna just go see how his Thanksgiving was. <laughs> so I knock on his door and I had already known he was in there. I had, scoped out when he was so I knock on his door and he he comes to the door and I'm in his office 
And I'm like, what you do for Thanksgiving? Because, you know, you've been knocking on my door, so I'm going to see what you've been doing. So he says, um, oh, well, me and a friend of mine, we went to the beach. So I was like, oh, he went with a girl. Okay. I was crushed. Like, I'm pushing this young guy away, but when he said that I was crushed, like, I left. I left his office. So, um, by December of last year, he was out of that situation. Well, not yet. I, I sent him an email, and all it had on the email was my phone number. So he calls me, and we're, we're flirting. But I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, let's see what happens. So y'all, probably within 15 minutes, this guy that I sent the email to, he called me. So we start talking, but he ain't out of that situation with the girl who he went to the beach with. So I'm like, oh, nah, <laughs> never mind. So fast forward to um, January of this year, he is out of that situation. And um, he starts talking to me, and he's really eager to get me to his church. And I'm like, why he want me to go to his church so bad? So um, I had been running. I had been running from God. I had been running from the word. Like I had been running because um, last year, yeah, last year I left my church that I had been at since we got to Charlotte. Um, I left and I was pretty much looking for a church home. So when he said it, you know, I was resistant, like, why is this guy asking me to go to his church? Like, that's just weird. Um, but I knew I needed a church home, so eventually I came to his church, and we sat over there. I didn't budge. Um, I, I didn't stand up. I didn't wave my hand. It was funny. We were talking about that last night, or y'all were talking about that last night. I didn't stand up. I didn't sing a song. I didn't do anything. I sat just like this, and I was like... <laughs> Oh God, like what, where am I? So, um, and it, I, yeah, I was just, and I mean, I wasn't even saying anything to him. I was just like, okay, where does he have me? I've never even seen this church before. I've been here my whole life. So, um, <clears throat> one of the, I don't think it was the first, but one of the first sermons I heard was um, understanding the Bible. That sermon challenged me like, Whoa, and it actually pushed me to um, start reading again, and um, it helped me to acknowledge that I had pushed God away. Because, I mean, of course, I had pushed Him away, but I was in denial like, I'm okay, like, I'm good, like, I'm good, leave me alone. So, um, from that message, I began to get back in my word, um, and I noticed that the more I started coming to church, the stronger my prayer life got, the strong my faith started rebuilding, but I was still angry. And I was taking it out on everybody that came around me. So my mom would call me to say, hey, I just wanted to see how your day was. And I would be like, oh, okay. And I was angry with her for stuff that she had done 10 years ago. Um, but I was saved. <laughs> I was a Christian, and I was angry with her 
for for things that she had done years ago. So um, just a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, I can't remember if it was Pastor Mel or Pastor Keith, but one of you guys said, it's important for us to forgive our parents and show them mercy for the things that they've done because we're going to require that same mercy from our children. That was Pastor Mel, right? That's what I thought. Um, so she said, that's going to, that's going to, we're going to require that same mercy from our children. I wanted to run in the corner and hide because I'm like, oh my gosh, like, okay, I don't forgive her, but I'm trying to forgive her, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm going to forgive her. I'm going to forgive her. So I was like, okay, my child's going to need to forgive me. So I have to forgive her. So, and then, um, Shortly after that, Ray was like, um, so what do you believe in God for right now? And I was just like, I want God to soften my heart. And he was like, so you ready to forgive your mom? And I was like, but she keep doing stuff. And he was like, I said, are you ready to forgive her? And I was just like, man, I'm thinking, mind your business. Like, I'm going to forgive. I do forgive her. Like, mind your business. I was mad. And so, you know, he, he was real calm. He was just kind of like, you just got to understand that not forgiving her is blocking you. I was like, whatever. <laughs> okay. So um, it, when I heard Pastor Mel say that, like, I was embarrassed. Like, I, was, I felt exposed. Like, why are you talking to me? Like, how are you going to say that to me? <laughs> like, you got up there and said that to me. What you, what you mean? So um, shortly after that, a um, couple days after that, I text my mom, and I was just like, um, what you doing Friday? <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to forgive her. <laughs> I was like, what you doing Friday? And... Um, I don't think she said she had anything to do. So I was like, uh, my mom can cook. Like, oh, my gosh. So I was like, can you make me this, this, and this? And she was like, sure. So I came over that night, and she made it. I mean, she, she fixed it for me, brought it to me in the living room. And it was steak, potatoes, broccoli. It was so good. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was so good. And so, like, we we laid on the couch, and you know, we talked and we laughed, and it was good. And I'm like, oh, okay, this this is good. No, oh, okay. And so she sent me a text the next day, and she was like, I enjoyed you last night. And she was like, we got to do that again. And at first I wanted to push it away because that's what I had been used to, pushing it away. But then I was like, yeah, we could do it again. And um, my prayer has continued to be like soften my heart because, again, she's going to have to forgive me for stuff too. And what I noticed was, like, it took so much energy to be angry with her. Because, like, I would walk in her house. She would open the door. 
And I would just be like, <laughs> she would be like, oh, hey, hi, it's me. I'm like, what are you speaking to me for? But I was mad about stuff she had done 10 years ago and I was still holding it against her. Um, so God softened my heart and um, I feel like when I hit rock bottom emotionally, I recognized that the things that I gained when I was at rock bottom were needed as God began to elevate me. Um, so I'm, I'm at rock bottom and, you know, he's given me that faith. He's, he's given me that perseverance. He's given me all the things that I needed that I wouldn't have been able to gain if I would have just gotten here. Um, so I appreciate it. Um, so I just feel like now, um, my heart is in a better place and I'm in a better place because again, I had pushed her away. I had pushed everybody away because of unforgiveness. So instead of harboring that unforgiveness, um, I've embraced her and six months ago, I wouldn't have even invited her here. She's right here. Um, and so I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have even invited her here. Um, I just would have told her after and been like, you don't need to hear it. It was about you. I told people how horrible you are. And she's not horrible, but that what, that's what was in my heart, and that's how I was treating her. Like she's this horrible person that can't make any mistakes, and every single mistake that you make, I'm going to hold it against you. Don't talk to me. But you better call me so I can tell you don't talk to me. Crazy. <laughs> she didn't talk to me. Like, call me so I can treat you horribly. Call me so I can tell you I don't want to talk to you crazy but that's what I was doing um so I'm just glad that God softened my heart and that she's you know able to um be here um I just look at where I was a year ago and it's like yeah I had all that stuff but I didn't have a church home I didn't even have health insurance I got that now got a good job I'm thankful for it all um so, yeah, I, I just feel like there, there's power in that testimony and the fact that God has been able to not just bring me out of a dark place, but my heart out of a dark place and been able to deliver me and actually be receptive of love, um, his love, his love, her love, um, and I'm receptive of it now. So that's it. <laughs>